Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever, however, and whenever you're listening. Welcome to another episode of The Melanie Report. I'm your host, Marquise Lupton, and we have another great show for you. Today, we have none other than Moon Lee Ferguson and friends. It's Friday, so you know what that means. We got our panel discussion and our monologue. I cannot wait to get into it with this monologue and to get into with Moon Lee and friends. But first, this monologue. Ladies and gentlemen, he, she, they, and them, Grab your popcorn because today we're diving into a story that's as dramatic as a Hollywood blockbuster. The story of African Americans in film and television. Now picture this. It's the early days of cinema, a time when black actors were often relegated to playing stereotypes like maids or sidekicks. They were the somatic equivalent of the side salad, always there, but rarely the main course. Shame. Shame. Fast forward to the 1950s and things were still mm, not so great. The civil rights movement was in full swing and so was Hollywood's struggle with equality. And according to a study from the University of Southern California in 2016, out of 800 popular films from 2007 to 2015, only 13 percent of speaking characters were black. It's like trying to make a rainbow, but with only one color. Imagine that. But let's not dwell on the dark times the 1960s and 70s brought about some real change. African-American actors like Sidney Poitier started getting leading roles in let's not forget black exploitation films that gave black actors a chance to shine in powerful, if sometimes, over-the-top roles. Messing with my car. Penny Annie junkies, that's all you are. You'll take from your mama, you'll even take the limbs off of a tree. But I'm going to kick your ass for messing with me. And fast forward to the 21st century where the landscape is evolving. Thanks to amazing talents like Denzel Washington, Viola Davis, and Chadwick Boseman, the Oscars have started to see a bit more color. But let's not forget the biting humor of the industry. It's like, sure, you can have an Oscar, but it's only for the supporting role, not the leading one. Oh, that's nasty. But here's the kicker here, folks. The push for diversity in Hollywood is an ongoing one. And according to a UCLA report in 2020, while there have been some gains in representation, people of color are still underrepresented in key behind-the-camera roles like writers and directors. It's like trying to bake a cake without flour. Things just won't rise as they should. And the systematic racism still lingers. Just think about the uproar over hashtag Oscars so white in 2016 when the Academy unveiled an all-white slate of acting nominees. It was like trying to defend pineapple on pizza. It's a losing battle, a constant losing battle. What? But folks, we have seen some progress. We have storytellers like Ava DuVernay breaking barriers and challenging the status quo. We have had shows like Blackish, Insecure, and Atlanta that brought authentic black voices to the forefront. And let's not forget the worldwide sensation that was Black Panther, a superhero movie with an almost entirely black cast that proved diversity just doesn't sell. It smashes box office records as well. Wow. So what's the takeaway from here? Is it that African-Americans in the film and television industry have faced tremendous challenges? Well, yes. Is it that they have come a long way? Well, yes, that is correct as well. 
But there's more work to be done. We can't just settle for occasional sprinkles of diversity. We need a full-on rainbow of diversity. He's right, you know. So let's celebrate the progress, learn from the past, and push for a future where the stories on our screens reflect the rich tapestry of the American life we have grown to know and love. Thank you, and remember, the best stories are the ones that include everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed our recent monologue. For more information on this monologue and any other monologue you heard, you can email me at Marquise underscore Lupton at WITF.org. Again, that's Marquise underscore Lupton at WITF.org. Now, I would like to thank you once again for tuning in to The Melanin Report with myself, Marquise Lupton, because you could be listening to any other podcast right now and you chose to make me and us a part of your day. And I appreciate you for that. The best thing you can do right now is share this podcast with a friend because friends don't let friends Melanin Report alone. Our panelists today, Moon Lee is a South Florida-based filmmaker passionate about creating words in the genre space. She is known for her viral award-winning fantasy series Juju, the web series, which made her a finalist for the Black Experience on the Xfinity Grant. Outside the narrative space, Moon has worked on network shows that have put black stories to the forefront, such as Street Food, that was on Netflix, and The 1619 Project on Hulu. I cannot wait to get into details with her and her crew. Also, if you haven't had the chance to listen to part one of this week's podcast series with Dr. Kamika Campbell discussing our top five headlines of the week, then I implore you to do so. What are you doing, Sean? You got to take a listen because we are giving you what you want, giving you what you need, giving you what you did not know existed. Again, our guests today are Moon Lee, Lucian, and Bird. I would like to welcome y'all to the Melanin Report. How are you doing today? Good. Pretty good. Good, good, good. I wish that uh, y'all could see their faces. Everybody has a smile on their face. I can tell that uh, I'm, I'm dealing with some film people here uh, because they keep the good looks on standby. So let's get <laughs> let's get right to it. Moon Lee, can you uh, start by telling us about your journey into filmmaking and what inspired you to pursue this creative path? Um, this is always a loaded question. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it was definitely, this definitely was a path. Um, I've always loved um, watching movies and reading books and stuff like that. I kind of like immerse myself as a kid and kind of just get lost in those worlds. Um, one of my favorite movies as a kid is The Page Master. And it just kind of shows this little boy who just gets lost in these stories. And I just kind of saw my childhood as that just to run away from some environmental things um the and, page you know, master that's uh that's with uh, macaulay calkin right yeah oh yep, man yep. all right throwing it back <laughs> throwing it back go ahead please i'm sorry um so yeah so i've always loved tv and films and just kind of watched everything under the sun um my parents really didn't <laughs> wasn't really checking for what i was watching so i was all over the place um, and then I wanted to do it in high school, but that wasn't the route that was chosen for me per my immigrant parents. So I was, you know, just kind of forced, if you will. Um, they don't like that word now, <laughs> but <laughs> strongly guided to the medical field. Mm. Um, and, um, 
Yeah, and then I had um, my first child um, right after freshman year of college. So I kind of had to hop into adulthood quick. So everything just, all that hopes, dreams, and wishes kind of just went out the window. Um, and then one day when I was um, 26, and I decided to just do physician assistant school instead of nursing school. Um, I took a screenwriting class as like an elective-ish class. And um, then I just changed my majors and I went into a film school at Miami Day College. Mm, so, so what was it about that class? Was it that this was something that you wanted to do for, for years and, and that class kind of opened things up for you? Was it the professor? Was it somebody in that class that helped bring that out of you? What was it about that specific class? It was, it was fun and it answered my question of how movies were made. Um, Cause like I, I wanted to be a writer of some sort, some kind of fairy tale book, children's book. Um, I wanted to write stories. So I didn't really have a medium of like how I wanted to do it, mm. but I just knew my soul wanted to just write something. So I wrote short stories. I wrote kids books for my son. Um, he struggled um, with speech language, um, a speech language disorder. So I would make flashcards for him and make books for him to help him with his speech. So I just knew I wanted to do something, making a story. And then that class kind of like put the spark in the light bulb of like, oh, I finally know how to do it so I can just go do it. And um, I just my soul just really didn't want to study medicine anymore because it was my heart was never in it. It was mm. just survival mode. Um, and then this felt better. And then um, I was like, well, I was struggling for the last seven years as a single mother. I can struggle a little bit more <laughs> um, <laughs> to see where this goes. So, yeah, so I just kind of just took the leap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that sounds um that sounds like a lot of of shared stories and shared experiences that we heard on the Melanin Report of folks saying, "Well, you know what? I'm struggling doing something I don't want to do. I might as well struggle doing something I like to do." And well, and they found themselves um improving their situation. Uh so uh, you, the, 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 the listener, um, if, if I could tell you anything, if you're struggling in your situation and not liking it, you might as well struggle and like it. It might change your situation. Now, you did uh, bring uh, two gentlemen along with you, and we're going to get to them. Um, but first, um, I want to talk about Juju, the web series. Um, can you share the inspiration behind this viral award-winning fantasy series? and what it means to you to have it recognized by the Black experience on the Xfinity grant. Oh, Juju. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that idea came out of, I was so pissed off at CW because um, mm. I just loved the show Vampire Diaries. Um, and it was an eight, it was a seven or eight season show. And at the end of it, like at the end of the season, all the characters got their happy ending, but bon Bonnie Bennett, which is the only black witch. And like the way they used her character, they used her character as like the these vampires' personal wand. And she really didn't get, she didn't really get a story. She was mm. just a device for them, but not really a person or a part of the world. Um, and they took everything from her. I can go on and on. So I was really mad and pissed off about it. Um, 
and my friend was like, well, why don't you make a witch show? And then I had, that's when I had just moved to New York and I was like, oh, duh, because I didn't know what I wanted to do or write or make after um, my last films that I did. And then I made, I made Juju. I Charmed is one of my favorite shows as a kid. It's a comfort show for me now. Mm. And then Insecure was on at that time. So I kind of merged the two because Charmed is kind of like early 20 year olds from the, the early 2000s struggling with life and being a witches. Um, so that's what Juju essentially is, is these um, late 20 year old millennials about to hit 30, still trying to figure out life. And then they're they see it as a burden. Like they're like, I can't be bothered with all these witch powers when we still got to make rent. You know, we still got boy problems. We still got job problems and stuff like that. So it's kind of like a twist on um, charmed and insecure. I'd like to say. Mm. Okay. All right. And then, um, and then you uh, have have two more projects um, coming coming up very soon. One of them being. Crib lore. Uh, can we get into those details a little bit? And can you tell us about crib lore? Yeah. So crib lore is an idea that I wanted to do right after Juju, and then, um, but we kind of like tucked it in the back because we we were still um, in post production for Juju. So an opportunity came with the independent platform on um, Black Oak TV where they um, gave us funding to make it as like an original series for them. Um, so Cribblore is another magical type show. Um, I like to call it our creature feature. Each episode is eight episodes and each episode has a different um, supernatural being, um, albeit um, witch, ghost, ghoul, demon. Um, and it's essentially about South Florida black culture um, and in the way that how we grew up as quote unquote jits in South Florida. Um, so uh, I wanted to show South Florida in through eyes of black people because uh, um, the mass thinks that it's just, you know, South Beach and mm. um, another nation. <laughs> Um, South Beach and Little Havana. And um, a lot of people don't realize that Miami it was founded and incorporated by Black people. And there's so much Black history there. Um, so I really wanted to kind of show everyone that South Florida is one part of the South and is part of the American South Black culture. Um, and we have the same values and, you know, upbringing and everything else um, as anyone else in the South. And that so with that, we just put like a horror fable type twist to it. Um, so each episode is like a different lesson, if you will, um, or riddle, I should say, another riddle um, with a different supernatural being in South Florida. Um, Moon, you're going to have to excuse my ignorance here because I did not uh, think that there was a, a, I'll say a strong black population uh, in Southern Florida. I thought that, you know, we were more so uh, West Palm Beach, Gainesville, um, parts no. of Orlando, South Beach. No, and, look, look. That is all everybody's shaking their head, folks. Every, <laughs> everybody's shaking their head no. All right. Educate me. Lucian, educate me on, <laughs> on, on, on what I don't know about uh, uh, South Florida, please. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, well, one of the main things about it is that uh, South Florida and my, which we consider, you know, Dave Broward, West Palm, South Florida, for those of you who don't. Okay. Yeah, that's the three counties that represent South Florida. So it's kind of like the tri-state area Mm -hmm. in the north that we do. We call it the tri-county area. Okay. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and the, the influence from black culture down here is is so heavily rooted. You know, I, I grew up in Pero City, you know, as Miami Gardens, as they call it now. And it's just one of the most, you know, black cities, like black populated cities within the entire state. Right. Wow. So um, and, and the same thing goes for 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 other cities. It's, it's one of those things where we have so much history down here, you know, between places like Liberty City and Overtown, which was once called, you know, Colored Town. You know, and and so many different things within this area in terms of even the arts, right? Um, so it's, it's it's always interesting because people, you know, see things on TV, and it's not a necessarily a true representation of what's going on in our neighborhoods. It's usually the areas that don't necessarily have a lot of the natives. It's more of the tourists in those areas mm. that they end up showing and showcasing. Mm-hmm. And and another point to the black history is that we have the saltwater railroad which is the most southernest point of the underground railroad system where they came down to the to the lighthouse at cape florida miami and went to the bahamas man man i've i've said this over and over again and the audience is probably tired of me saying this but that is perfectly fine this might be the smartest thing on audio right now. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Cause the under the, the underground railroad in in Florida. Yes, yes, of course, you know that 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 makes sense, but hearing it, hearing it, can you mm-hmm. um 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 dive dive a little bit deeper into what you know uh, more about that? Um I know it was there was an attack on the lighthouse with the Seminoles and the Seminoles were they also um, went to the Bahamas. Mm. So a lot of Bahamians do have Seminole tribal blood. Um, I know a lot of times people are like shook up from it sometimes because they're like, well, well, you're Bahamian. But that's because a lot of our indigenous um, Seminoles went to Bahamas from the Cape Florida lighthouse to flee the colonizers um, that was at the lighthouse. And if you come to, it's in Key Biscayne, if you come to the lighthouse, like you still see like the the houses and the out the outhouses and all that stuff, like all the stuff that was still there from the war, it's still there in a whole little monument of the Saltwater Railroad um, and the allyship between the Seminoles and the freed slaves um, who became the Black Maroons or the Black Seminoles. Hmm. and there's also Virginia Key Beach, which is Miami's first black beach that um, they shut down. But then I think back in 2008, Miamians lobbied to have it back open. Um, and Fort Lauderdale has a black beach, which is now Dania Beach. Um, my high school is a historically black high school. Historically black high school. school. Yes, sir. We do have them down here. <laughs> we were the, I think, the second black high school in Broward County in Dillard High School, our rival, the first. HB, um, HBHS? That, we, that's, have, mm-hmm. all right. we have historically black middle schools and elementaries also. So it's, it's, it's wide and deep down here, but a lot of people don't take the time to travel to the swamps. 
to learn about it. <laughs> man, man, man. I will I will say this. Um, um if if DeSantis wasn't running things down there, I would probably move down there expeditiously because man, uh historically black middle schools, historically black uh high schools, I I love it. Let's um bring Bird into this. So um Bird, Criblor, can you uh, uh tell us first first tell us your your background and in film and then let us know uh, how you became involved with Criblor. Great. I had a I had an interesting journey in the film. Um Lucian uh, who's also on the call is my uh writing partner. Okay. Um and he and him uh met at uh, FSU. Um hey. at Florida State University. Um and we met on a poetry team. So my first love and what I thought I would be doing with my life was spoken word. Now, mm. uh, it's difficult saying what that meant. I just knew I wanted to create for a living. And that's the medium I found in college. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure Lucian will get into uh, more of his background as well. Mm -hmm. But while Lucian was in school for screenwriting, we just went back and forth from being on a poetry team together. We like we talked through our imaginations well. And eventually he was like, um, this is just like screen writing is just like a long poem so while he was getting his master's in screenwriting he taught me screenwriting and that is how we became a uh, writing team and that sort of snowballed me into like the uh, entertainment world so sometimes I did feel like an outsider at the beginning because I knew spoken word I knew poetry mm. and the screenwriting and entertainment parts were new um so getting into screenwriting with other one of the first things um, we did was we wrote a uh, we wrote uh, for a show called David Makes Man, um, mm. which um, was on HBO Max um, and featured uh, Terrell McCraney. Um, and in that process, we learned that we had like a specific way of writing. We had a specific way of doing things. And um, it was contagious. Like we would go into meetings. We would uh, kill pitches. We would be uh, in development for a lot of things. Um, but we found the process of being in development on things that took forever. So sometimes me and him are both people who have all these ideas and we felt like the ideas would get stuck. Like, I feel like I'm explaining it more than I get to do it just because mm. things in the take a long time. Um, and Cribble came along as something that was just a godsend for me because it allowed me the ability to write and be one of the first things I actually directed on. Lucian had a little bit more experience there than me, but it let me go through, see the process through from beginning to end. Like, hey, you're gonna write it, you're gonna direct it, we're gonna go film it. Uh, ours, uh, our um, episode of Cribbler is called Florida Water. It's about a, a, a mermaid um, that basically traps tourists on a beach. Um, and it's um, one of the episodes that was uh, recommended for ABFF. Um, so yes, that was my journey into that was my journey in the filmmaking. Um, and I know Lucian will go back and fill in the things that I, I kind of left out. <laughs> well, Lucian, now, now it's your turn. Let us know your, <laughs> your background and, and, and how this trio came to be. How did this big three come to be? All right. So, so yeah, I, I mean, I was a theater kid growing up, right? Mm. So I was, I was that kid that was like heavily into the arts from the beginning. Right. Um, down here uh studying theater i went to a performing arts middle school um which is uh miami norland uh, middle school which is is known a lot for its arts uh and then from there i went to michael crop 
where I also studied in the theater program there in the magnet program. And then I went off to Florida State to their theater program, right, where I studied film and theater. Um, and it was always for me, it was, you know, the love of storytelling, but also like the love of being able to touch people, right? Uh, the love of knowing that when I got on that stage, I could eat, entertain someone. I could also find ways for them to be able to relate to what's going on. It's, it was something about connecting with people through an art form and that that I was given, uh, you know, a gift in. It felt like that I was always like, hey, this is the thing for me. I, I And I always felt like things aligned in that way, right? Like it was something that was always like, hey, as long as you keep going towards what your passion is, the doors are going to open up. Mm. Um, and so as life continued to show me that, you know, and we got to, uh, we got through college, which was another, another thing. I was like, okay, cool. Well, I've graduated from undergrad. Now it's like, either you go out to LA, like everybody else says, or you go back home and truth be told, I ain't had the money. I was like, <laughs> going back home, you know? Um, but it just didn't leave me. And I just had this itch like, okay, cool. If I, you know, instead of me just waiting for opportunity to come, how can I create opportunity? Right. How can I create it? And so lo and behold, that's when I was like, well, I'm gonna go to grad school, right? I'm gonna go to grad school and I'm gonna get my master's in screenwriting because mm -hmm. I've, I've always, you know, had a love for, for writing. So I'm like, okay, so let's combine it. Right. Who else is going to be better to create a character in a story that you can relate to than yourself. Right. Um, and so got to that point, like Bird said, me and him started linking on these ideas while I was in grad school. We always say that we got two degrees for the price of one, you know? <laughs> 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 which definitely helped him on the student loan department, but it ain't helped me yet. <laughs> 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 but uh, we moved on from, from there and that's when we just was like, hey, well, what's the route here, right? And oftentimes a lot of people in the industry, they try to find somebody else that they can, you know, attach their journey to in terms of being like, well, I'm going to model it after what this person did. Or I'm going to model it after what that person did, right? Um, and so we kind of did that. And we were doing that with Ryan Coogler at the time. We're like, well, let's go ahead and write this thing so we can get into Sundance. And then from Sundance, this will happen and that'll happen. And um, lo and behold, you know, we were writing scripts and we were getting into the next and final rounds of all these labs and fellowships and things of that nature. But none of those things ever hit, right? Like mm. we weren't the ones that was officially selected. And so lo and behold, all those things that we were creating became our resume. And it I tell people this all the time and people are like, wow. But my middle school drama teacher, my middle school drama teacher had just worked on Moonlight with Terrell. Wow. And we came home over the winter break after just hearing all these no's. And she was like, I love your stuff. Do you mind if I share it with Terrell? And Bert and I was like, please, whatever you need to share, <laughs> go ahead and share it. And lo and behold, she shared, you know, the scripts that we had been writing on with Terrell. And at that point in time, he had just gotten the green light for David Makes Man um, at the OWN Network. Right, Oprah Winfrey had just signed uh, David Makes Man on, and it was a South Florida story. It was a story about some of these things that we've been talking about on the call, where it does give a chance for you to see Black people growing up in South Florida and what it feels like to grow up in South Florida. Um, and so, it was it was a it was a perfect fit, and we got that phone call, and we were like, 
oh my God, we're now we're television writers, right? We were officially mm. television writers and we went on from there uh, to, to, like Bird said, continue building that craft and, and doing those things. And we were able to, you know, craft episodes with people who we've, uh, we've looked up to for so long and that are also a part of our own community. And we got the, our, ch- our first chance of doing something on television was about the place that we love and the place that we grew up. So it, it was so special to be able to do that. And the show had went on to get critical success and things of that nature. So that was always great. And then lo and behold, while we were doing that, Bird was just like, hey, I have a friend from high school who is also doing her thing. And this is at the point in time which is all matches up when mm. when Moon was doing Juju. So here it was, now that connection point started. And that was like the birth of all of these things that we're creating now. Now, now you did say all of these things. So I'm glad you said mm-hmm. that because this is what we call a segue. <laughs> all right. So so um you you not only have Cribblor, um, mm-hmm. but you have uh, uh, when, when, uh, wait, let's backtrack a little bit because I want the folks at home to know when does Criblar come out and, and where can they, uh, view it? Where is it going to be available? Yes. So Criblar will be out, um, this Friday, Friday the 13th Ooh. on Black Oak TV. Um, and it is an independent streaming platform that, um, has a bunch of, just black films, black TV shows, and things of that nature. Um, Juju is also on there. So if you guys would like to watch, you can watch it there. Um, And yeah, uh, the first two episodes will drop Friday the 13th. And then every Friday after that, up until Halloween, um, we'll be releasing episodes um, two by two. Oh, man, that sounds exciting. So... Newlyweds, newlyweds. Let's let's now uh, uh, switch gears and, and and talk about newlyweds, uh, folks. These 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 people have a lot going on, and and I love it. I love it. Uh, so if you have not checked them out yet, uh, we will get their social media handles and contact information at the conclusion of, of this interview, so that you can uh, like, follow, share, and all that good social media stuff. So um, newlyweds. Anybody can take the uh, uh, floor here. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> I, I guess I'll, I'll start. Um, so newlyweds, newlyweds, blood at the altar, right? Mm, uh, that's a name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> blood at the altar. So uh, we always we always uh, laugh and, and talk about the fact that, you know, when we're telling people about the premise, we're like, oh, a zombie apocalypse happens at a black wedding in South Florida. And they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, but that that is, you know, that's the premise of of the uh of the short. We're doing a proof of concept, right? So uh Bert and I are members of the WGA. And um, you know, well, after we just came off of we were well, well, I'll say this, we were blessed to write on uh season seven of Tyler Perry Sisters, which will be premiering next year. Wow. Um and that we were in the first writer's room. Humble brag, humble brag. I love it. So, well, uh, yeah, definitely we are so thankful for that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Really excited about that. Um, but coming right out of that, we went into the strike, right? We yeah. went right into the strike. And over that time period, we were just like, hey, what are we doing about our own ideas and how can we move those things forward, right? And so for a while, we had been 
uh, playing with the idea of this proof of concept short for these two characters, these two iconic characters. You know, we were looking back, doing research, trying to find where we have two black characters that have been at the top of an action franchise, right? And so we were like, we don't really have it, right? Like we went back and tried to find those things and we don't really have it. So we were like, well, if you want to create the thing, why not create the thing? Why not do it yourself, right? Like why not not wait for anybody to give you that chance, which is what we've been kind of, what our life has been showing us. We have to do it ourselves and take that step. And so lo and behold, you know, we have been working on the script for a while. We had uh, Terrell looking over the script with us and it, it, it became something where, moon read the script and everybody was like hey let's get this thing done like it this thing is very south florida which is in all of our our, our eyes and minds to make sure that we show love too and let's build from there and then i'll, I'll let bird talk a little bit about these characters and in in their relationship aspect of that we really want to touch on in terms of themes Pia and akil are our uh two main characters, our couple that will become our action heroes. And we wanted to build something that started off where it is really about the two of them. So we built a story around two people who love so passionately and so fiery that everyone around them thinks it's not going to work. It's that kind <laughs> of love. It's, it's, that, it, it, it's toxic at times, but they grew out of it. And now they're at this point, but their wedding isn't just like everybody clapping. It's a little bit of like everybody side eye and the mom's a little mad at the, at the uh, wife to be the husband don't like how the son didn't really talk to him. And we use those things to, um, bring them closer together like first it creates tension and it brings them closer together so they have of course this lovely uh moment until they realize they have to get to this reception and they think it's all going to be good and they realize they have to fight through their friends and family to secure their love for their lo will their love survive so it's uh metaphorical it's metaphorical in a lot of ways and we just wanted to really have fun with it like show things that we wanted to see and definitely show a black black wedding like there's comments there's <laughs> people just acting wild you know it's all the things that we love about our weddings that you know we don't always get to see it's always a little bit more formal like we wanted to make it really feel as south florida as possible and you use some of our own experiences at weddings um definitely um bring the script to life <laughs> so um so so what is it about this script that you all feel feel good about uh, because this this really feels as though that you're kind of kicking things up a notch so what is it about this film is it is it just the natural process of becoming a writer or or when y'all concept this thing out you looked at each other and was like this is the one <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. it's, it's a combination of those things i will say it's the dream team coming together right mm. like it's it's the it's the team of people that we're we're aligning ourselves with in order for everybody is on that everybody is on on track to get to that next level, right? Um, but for us, it's it's a chance to prove, right, that we all deserve what it is that we're being given, right? Um, that we're 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 here to earn it. We're not just asking for handouts. We're we're here to show you that we can do the things, um, and that it's undeniable in that way, right? And we we first things first is we knew that story had to be tight, right? 
And then after we got an understanding that that story had, was was tight, now it was bringing in the expertise of people like Moon, who has done multiple projects, you know, and 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 crewed things up within South Florida and brought the beautiful quality of production to these things, right? Um, so bringing all of that together on top of the fact that it's like, now this is a challenge, right? This is a challenge for us in terms of being like, you also have a horror elements here in terms of zombie prosthetics, things of that nature. You have action sequences here, you know, you have a, a, a grandiose wedding that you have to pull off. And it's like, well, what can't we do, right? When we put mm. these things together and you put the right team together, it, it's undeniable at that point in time. And then to showcase something in Florida is something even, you know, more magical because we joke about the fact that, you know, any in the wildest story you hear on the news, if somebody was to ask you where it happened, nine times out of ten, you're gonna say it happened in Florida, right? Mm. Just by default, because yep. you just understand <laughs> Florida man. Florida man is a thing. <laughs> we, have that, we have that reputation and we understand that. And so this, you know, this kind of plays into that a bit. You know, this was a place where you know, years ago, we had someone that bit off somebody's face, mm -hmm. you know, without it being the zombie apocalypse. So imagine what a place like Florida looks like during one, you yeah. know? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, so these things definitely uh, all align with, with our vision and it makes us excited, right, uh, to tell the story. And I think that's one of the main things. It's just like sometimes as an artist, there are some things you do just because you feel like you're, you know, all right, cool, that'll be good that'll be good to do but there are other things that just get you excited mm. every time you're having a conversation or a meeting about them and i feel like that's been the energy surrounding the whole team and anybody that we bring on to this project all right and and um moon i would like to bring you back into this conversation uh you you being one um a woman uh and and then two your your cultural background um of being Chinese Jamaican how how do those three things uh tie into your creativity and and what you put into your projects um sorry repeat that question that is that is just fine that, I, I I know that was a loaded one <laughs> that, is, that is I thought I had it and then it just left. um are uh, you you being a a woman um and and then your cultural background as well um being Chinese J Jamaican how does that tie into your creativity your creative process and how you tell stories um well, being a woman, um, so a lot of I, hmm, being a woman, uh, <laughs> being a woman, I try to. Well, I tell women's stories. Mm. Um, I tell women's stories. A lot of my characters are girls because I'm a girl. I don't know what boys are like. <laughs> um, Makes even sense. Though I have, <laughs> even though I have a son, so I write my male characters based on like the men in my family. Like my brothers and stuff. Um, but as a woman, I try to showcase black girl rage. Mm. And what black girl rage is, is the freedom for um, our characters or black girl characters to be angry and pouty and throw temper tantrums without being um, the bitter black woman. Yeah. Hold on. Black girl rage, just in a sense of. Um, we are angry too. Um, I was a very, a, a big ball of fire as a kid. Um, and some would say that I still am. 
um but i'm a more controlled ball of fire but it's just also to black girls really don't have that freedom of being that ball of fire um and expressing their anger because it comes off as so much other things so i try to show like really complex and raw girl tomboyish but girly hard but crybaby complex nuanced human characters um, and to show that rage is not a bad emotion. It's just an emotion. Mm. Um, um, and then just being Chinese Jamaican, it's just kind of just, you know, I grew up with both cultures. Um, my family is, my Chinese family were born and raised in Jamaica, but of course their ancestors immigrated. So a lot of our cultural blend in um, more Caribbean than Chinese. But what I will say is, um, a lot of my stories are communal and about family mm. because that side, um, my Chinese side of family, we're very communal about family, about feasting and enjoying each other yeah. and value and honoring ancestors and stuff like that. Um, so I try to incorporate all of that into my stories as well. And and uh, for for that um, for that little that that little black girl uh, that that finds themselves watching your films uh watching your content what do you want them to pull uh from from your content um that i see you girl Mm. and um being a girl is hard life is hard and um you know don't let nobody bully you bully you into being whatever you don't want don't let society bully you dig it Dig it. I'm I'm uh, my I, I have uh, two daughters. I have a 11 year old and I have a seven year old. Uh, the 11 year old. She's not uh, she's not too bothered with the content creation or anything like that. But the seven year old, she definitely has has that bug. And and, and I love talking to black women, um, especially content creators um, to hear and, and to see how they navigate those those uh, spaces and. And how do they feel um, be being able to express themselves? Um, so, um, so we have uh, two more questions here. Uh, I'll throw this out to the crew. So, the, 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 the creative process can be deeply personal. So, how do you all handle moments of self self doubt or creative blocks? And what strategies do you use to stay inspired? strategies to stay inspired i think um when it comes to creative blocks i think you know a lot of times you got to write through it and if you can't you might need to live through it Uh, one of the most powerful things i uh ever uh heard was um somebody talk about like sometimes there is a time to teach and sometimes there's a time to learn and mm-hmm. you might not be in the teaching phase and you might be trying to teach where you're writing and then something in life will happen and it'll click be that at so many times where we put something down and come back to it and we have new eyes because we have new experiences um but when it comes to you know if you are on deadline or something just write just get through it and then whatever comes out you can fix it later but you can't fix it until you just get through the thing mm. yeah and I, I would say yeah to add to that because I, I i echo a lot of those thoughts i will also say to um add to that to focus on the progress and not on the perfection right mm. um that's that's how i always try to do it. it's just like how am i progressing in this work how am i progressing in this art 
And if I can focus on that and I can focus on the growth rather than being like, well, it's got to be start perfect. It got to be just that in the other way. Then, you know, I'm moving in the right direction. And ultimately, you know, writing and creating is in the recreation and rewriting process. Right. So it's never going to be just there from the beginning. You have to mold it. It's like clay. Mm, I didn't know that y'all were going to be preaching today. All right. <laughs> uh, Moon. Um, I like to, I have sticky notes all around. <laughs> um, but baby steps are still steps. Mm. So um, everything doesn't have to be one big giant leap. Small steps will still get to where you go. Um, and to stay inspired, um, like Bert said, you live through it. Like I go outside, I go skating, I go to the park, I go see some art. I try to change the way I consume different art. So like if I'm burnt out from watching films, cause that can kind of start to feel like studying too much. I'll go to like an art museum or I go to the beach, I go to the park, people watch and just do, just take a real deal break. Um, and yeah, I equate this artist's journey to a toddler learning to walk. Mm. Um, it's just, um, I have this video of my son walking and it's he's every time he falls, he smiles and get back up and keep walking, smiles. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's just, like I said, baby steps are still steps. And I just revert back to that video of I'm on my bottom, but I'm still smiling. I'm going to get up and keep going yeah. until I get it. <laughs> yeah, and... and uh, um. I will say this, Moon, you uh, definitely validated me because I am one, too, that has sticky notes everywhere. And I thought it may have been a mental health thing. But um, <laughs> apparently, apparently we may be cousins uh, because <laughs> because no, we have sticky notes and little wall art. Yes. Um, on the wall because you know you need it yes yes i call it i call it uh controlled chaos it it, <laughs> it works it works for me you know uh so so uh finally finally our final question uh and before i get to that uh, i do want to thank you all for joining us on the melanin report this was uh great it was insightful it was inspirational i hope that our audience gets this and more uh, from this conversation uh, and you all have uh, some content dropping this Friday. So this is almost like a double dose of dopeness and I love it. So um, our final question here, uh, what message would you like to leave with our listeners about the transformative power of storytelling through film and the unique perspective you bring to this art form? Um, I guess for creatives, there's always an audience. They're just waiting for you. Um, and the whole world is not going to be your audience, and that's okay. Um, and I guess just for consumers, I just hope that, you know, whatever you watch inspires, inspires you to learn, inspires you to dream, to be imaginative, and to be curious. Yeah, I she said a lot right there, you know, <laughs> um, she said a whole lot right there. And I agree with a lot of those things uh, to, to add to it. I, I would say that trust your voice, right? Like we all have a voice. Um, we all have things about us that make us unique um, and the ability to, to project your voice on this world and know that your thoughts, your feelings, your, your, your creativity, your imagination, all those things can then lead into the next 
generation having ideas and thoughts and all of those things it's important right so just don't shut your voice up like allow it to 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 take over in this creative space and don't be afraid to be yourself rather than trying to copy after someone else Mm, love it and finally bird um i would just to add to all the amazing things they said i would just say um community um i think art in a lot of ways and especially film and tv like can give you an excuse to be around some dope people and create with them when you see even for a small project how many people how many minds have to come together to make it happen um part of the fun is getting around those people and getting around those minds and all of you putting your sauce on it to make the thing and i think um that is one of the most important things and for anybody who is trying to start one of these journeys that's always the first thing i say get around it get around some people who are kind of trying to do the same thing as you and make it work from there because a lot of the journey is the people you're around and Mm -hmm. i've been blessed to be around great people like moon and lucian and yeah it it makes it all even more fun yeah remember Um, before you always look before you look up make sure you look to the left and the right Love it. Love it. Love it. So um, for for folks that want to uh, follow you all, uh, your social media handles, how they can um, contact you um, before you get to that. um, Can you tell the folks one more time um, about Cribblore and about Newlyweds when they drop and where they can expect to uh, consume or purchase this content? Yes, so Crib Lore is a horror anthology series named after what we call South Florida, which is the crib. Um, And it's the lures of the crib. It is dropping in, well, this Friday, Friday the 13th, October, Friday the 13th um, on Black Oak TV. You can only watch it on BlackOakTV.com. And I'll let Lucian and Bird take over the newlyweds. Uh, and newlyweds, we're in pre-production right now, so we'll actually going into production next month. Um, so we'll have updates on all things newlyweds as it, you know, as we get into post-production and everything is uh, everything is done. Uh, we'll have updates on that throughout our social media pages and you know festivals and things of that nature. So we'll keep you all updated. All right, and you can mm-hmm. us. Sorry. You can follow us on Instagram at FWM Productions. All right. At 89, the number eight, number nine, writers, W-R-I-T-E-R-S on Instagram. And then from there, you'll be able to find our individual pages. (laughs) We'll be on those. (laughs) All right. Bird? Yeah, 89 Writers, at 89 Writers um, is the Instagram, 89writers.com. Yeah, they said it all. All right. All right. (laughs) Well, I would like to thank all of you for joining us on the Melanin Report today and making this conversation a serious one and a part of everyone's afternoon, evening, and night. So, again, thank you all for joining me on this conversation. Thank you for having us. Thank yes. you so much. Yes, absolutely. And the conversation continues on Friday with part three of this week's series. And as you know, we have our monologue and you want to stay tuned for that. 
You know how I like to end the show, folks. Trust your dopeness. This is the Melanin Report. We'll see you on the other side. Chain smoking cause I can't stand 